Welcome to episode 53 of the Tomato Timer, and I'm joined today with Romanian-born Manchester-bred Alex, co-founder and CEO at Dicetech. Alex studied business management at the University of Manchester, and with Dicetech, he aims to inspire and enable students to explore curiosities and create a better world in the fourth industrial revolution. Alex, it's so good to have you. How are you? Thanks for having me, Zuber. Um, I'm well. I'm just about to get on a plane to, to Paris, actually. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for, for finding the time to, to speak with us today. Um, I guess the first question that comes out is that you are now running a, well, a startup, which is, is really deeply integrated with technology and working in this space. After studying business, how did you end up back in there? Uh, well, so I, I did, after studying business, I worked as a strategy consultant for a bit. And mm-hmm. it was a really interesting career. You get to learn a lot of things. You get to work with different people at different um, kind of seniority levels across different industries. There's a lot of variety to it. So I wanted to learn more. Um, So I did a master's in business strategy, also at the Uni of Manchester. And for my dissertation, I was was doing a consulting project for a tech startup. And I kind of got a bit deeper into the under the hood. And I kind of realized I don't know much about technology per se. So I wanted to, to learn. And I tried a whole host of coding platforms. Um, I learned a bit of Python, but nothing really too applicable. It, was, it wasn't really engaging. Um, and then one of my friends suggested I buy a 3D printer. So I bought a very cheap Chinese do-it-yourself kit, um, had to put everything together myself, mm-hmm. blew up the power fuse a couple of times, <laughs> had to get some Amazing. spare parts. It was a messy, messy process, but in the end I got there. And when once I, once I printed like a, a tiny pyramid, which was already preloaded, so I just hit a button and it, it came out and I was like, that's amazing. Um, it, it felt like having infinite Lego and I could create anything. So I was really keen to, to learn how to make my own remote control car. So I learned how to 3D design and how to write Python code, how to work with electronics in less than a month. Um, and I made my own toy basically. And that was, it was such an engaging process. I kind of realized, wait, I learned, I learned how to code. I learned basics of 3D design and how to build a prototype and how to create stuff. This should exist. This should exist in schools, and that was kind of the first piece of insight that led to um, creating the creation of Dicey Tech. Um, I was at the time. I was also I reconnected with my co-founder Sofian, who I met in first year of university on the basketball team, and he okay. had just graduated from mechatronic engineering. He was working at Talis. Um, he was a systems architect, and we just started talking a bit more about the idea that neither of us really knew what we wanted to do when we were in school, we didn't get uh, much of an insight into the real world through our studies. And once we finished, once we graduated, we were kind of thrown into the deep end. And even when we chose our subject, Sofian chose mechatronic because it was kind of the intersection between electronics, mechanics, some software. He didn't really know what he wanted to do. I chose business because again, I had no idea. So I just wanted to kind of get a bit of experience into different areas and see how I can apply that and we realize that there's an issue in education that it's not really it's, it's totally disconnected from what's happening in in the real world and innovation is is advancing exponentially by the time teachers try to catch up and teach the new content the new knowledge that's being built on the front line that new knowledge becomes obsolete so it's there's a there's a kind of a big gap that's yeah. increasingly growing yeah I think you touched upon two points, though, and I, I'd love to kind of see where, why you connected the two when you when you launched Dicey Tech. One is obviously the 
the missing connection in terms of what we learn at school and what the world in reality is like. And I, I'll go as far as to say what we learn at university and what the world of industry is like, because even then we are we are sometimes siloed away from, from reality. Um, and the other piece that you talked about and the thing that uh, you were able to achieve with your with your 3D printer was a very hands-on project-based approach. Why are those two things interlinked and what is the magic that happens when you when you take project-based learning as a methodology and as a pedagogy to approach uh, learning? It's uh, a very good question. The, the whole thing about project-based learning and hands-on learning in general, it adds another kinesthetic, kinesthetic component to your mm -hmm. experience. So if you engage, the more senses you engage when you learn something or when you do something, the better the chances of you understanding or remembering it or it having, or you being engaged with it. So that's why hands-on learning is, is very captivating and it kind of gets you in. And then being able to contextualize that learning experience with within a project that is linked with uh, a real world kind of context or a real world outcome makes it so much more useful and applicable. Um, and then the, the whole aspect of 3D printing, you can kind of make anything. Not really, you have you still have constraints mm -hmm. in the way that the machine works. Um, but compared to traditional design, well, compared to traditional manufacturing methods, which weren't really accessible for anyone in their own kind of bedroom, um, design constraints would be totally different. So you, you, you didn't have so much freedom to create stuff. But now with a 3D printer, you, you can actually create a whole host of different things. And because of that, you can actually link it with different industries. So from our perspective, you can learn how to design and make a train or a drone or a rocket or a boat or smart devices or a range of different things. And whilst doing that, you kind of learn similar skills in terms of programming and designing and etc. and kind of the process of creating something. But you also get insights into the industry that you're kind of building that prototype or product towards, mm -hmm. um, which which is quite fascinating. And we try to contextualize that. Um, so we we create curriculum for secondary schools. Yeah. And we go as low as year seven and eight. And for some of those, we we even embed, let's say a project is an autonomous vehicle, for example, mm -hmm. for year, I think for year nines. And the introduction of that project is actually a bit of a background into the fourth industrial revolution, the, the history of the industrial revolutions actually, and how we got to having cars the, the way that we have them today and how are they becoming autonomous. So give them a bit of context, which is really captivating and kind of puts it into perspective why they're learning this, why they're making this, why is it useful and relevant? Mm -hmm. um, and we see engagement soaring. So I think that answers your question, like how the two worlds connect. It, it does. And I, it kind of, brings to mind the fact that we you know most of us are carrying around some form of a device every single day but the innovation that led to getting there is is still so far out of our reach and it, we don't expect everyone to become an electric electric and electronic engineering engineer to understand what what exactly is what are the kind of the semiconductors and components that come to put it together but i guess what um even some of the i remember back when i was in i think year two or three we had this like uh, a robot uh, which you had to like program with like a, a bunch of little colors and it would follow the colors and move in uh, in a certain pattern and the kind of the the I feel like at school and and I didn't take engineering much further I went down the math route so even further abstract it seems like 
what we're learning at school, even if we're messing around with like electrical components and bulbs and switches, it's so far removed from what we're actually using on a day-to-day basis. And I, I love how you how you introduce, how you contextualize it, because the car today is is just a, a huge marvel in engineering. Um, and there's so many steps to get towards that. And it's almost like too much to, it's overwhelming to kind of capture and understand. I don't know, uh, I, I can see how like kind of sharing that story is helpful, but what about in in general for for consumers for for people like for people like me who aren't maybe engineer or technically inclined in that sense um what what do we do in terms of do we need to be educated in that front and how how has your kind of program been able to um at least inform better decision making when it takes when it comes to career career decisions uh there's quite a bit to unpack there. Uh, I think Definitely, for... yeah sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 problem. Uh it's a good question overall I think in terms of general kind of technology education, I think you you hit it on you hit the nail on the head. We don't not everyone needs to be a software developer mm-hmm. or a CAD engineer, um, but I think the ability to understand the language of computers, which are becoming ubiquitous everywhere around us, pretty much kind of gives you superpowers in a way. And um, yeah. being able to 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 understand how things around you work, because it also it means you can create, you can start creating things. So that kind of empowers you to maybe pursue a career down a specific field, which mm-hmm. are becoming, which is becoming more and more kind of um, in demand and it, it's becoming more high paying. There, there's a shortage in that space. So there's a lot of opportunity um, to, to go that route. But not just that, if just kind of learning the basics of technology, the basics of how things work helps you um, not be susceptible to, I suppose, to vulnerabilities, to attacks. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot more, a lot more cyber attacks happening, especially f- to like older generations because they're a bit um, behind in terms of... Um, digital natives now. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. There is kind of that, that, that digital divide is becoming more and more um, apparent and that leads to, to a lot of potential issues. So I I do think going back circle, um, I do think it's useful for for kids and people from a young age to learn how how technology works. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have to become developers, but it is useful to to know that they have that option if they want to. And also, um, yeah, just be a bit more empowered in terms of how they make decisions. Yeah, I concur with that. And then uh, to share my experiences, although... uh, Again, very technical degree, and I, I am a scientific programmer. But those concepts and abilities of being able to, you know, develop a, a Python program actually um, impacts and affects the way I take my day-to-day decisions. Because uh, this algorithmic way of thinking is is always applicable, whether it's um, within a uh, IDE or or in real life. Because you need to take certain decisions. You're making those if statements always. You are in a um, in certain, <laughs> oh, you, maybe there's a while loop going on every single day that you're you're in part of. Um, everything yeah. around you is is essentially running on these pieces of code. So it's intrinsically part of our lives. It it seems inconsistent to not have that basic knowledge of what what is operating around us. Um, and I feel like it's been these these steps and these these skills of at least being able to break down a program, program, modularize. These concepts are applicable so much more beyond, um, you know, just programming and computer science or even technology that 
it, it makes so much sense to to promote and to to develop it further. I guess the kind of the follow up I want to ask on this is is we I can't remember the right statistic, but it's something ridiculously high where we are going to see uh, current jobs going obsolete um, and technology is going to take over so much of it. Um, this fourth industrial revolution, which we're part of, or is is coming, or is is you know we we can't ever when you're in a revolution you can't tell you're in a revolution right uh, at least in, a, in an abstract one um so we we have these these this fear of like you know we all need to become computer science students or be able to program um i i guess i want to my my question or my kind of rumination is that do we all need to be become become these like highly kind of uh programming like we have those skill sets just in that same context of developing apps or softwares or websites, or is there, are there other ways of applying these skills in, in the future? I have a feel, I have a kind of a, 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 my own inclination to answer this question, which is why I'm asking it. But I wonder what you think. Like we, we talked a little bit about this. It, there, there is a basic necessity of having this knowledge, but is it always in the same context of like, you know, very specifically, oh, let's develop a website or let's build, a, build an app or something like that? Or have you, as a, as a startup and entrepreneur, uh, seen it apply in, in many other cases? It's a very good question, actually. Um, the, the whole point about this is, so learning how to think algorithmically, or as you, as you kind of put it, is mm-hmm. super useful because when you create an algorithm, when you create a program, you are very careful about the assumptions that you make and I think yeah. that's that's a like a critical. It's it basically comes down to th- critical thinking, and if you're able to kind of map out the decisions that you make and the 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 way that you think about a specific topic or a specific field, um, and manage to stay aware of the blind spots or the potential assumptions that you make, that will definitely help you. If first of all, it makes you a bit more humble, and you know that wait, I might be wrong when I'm thinking about this. And sorry, mm-hmm. I'm kind of taking it specifically. Um, so I think that there's a, there's a big application of, of this in just the, the current um, political economy, I suppose. So in the whole political discourse, a lot of there's a lot of um, polarity around a lot of subjects. There's a lot of noise, a lot of people arguing mm-hmm. on both sides, left and right. Um, and most people are, are probably on the same page. They just can't really communicate properly. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that comes down to critical thinking, and they they don't necessarily a lot of people don't necessarily think that oh I might be wrong in this, I might I might have made an assumption here, um, so I I think that's that's kind of a a hugely um, relevant area where being able to think like a programmer would really help, um, not just a programmer but a designer as well. When you design something, mm-hmm. you start off with the the goal that you have, you break it down into specific things, specific requirements that that goal kind of consists of. Mm-hmm. And then you take an iterative approach. You try to do kind of like the basic version that would satisfy those those requirements. Yeah. See what works, see what doesn't, do it again, try to improve and iterate and iterate and iterate. And again, that comes down to the same kind of thought process of not making assumptions or being aware of the assumptions that you make, being humble that you might make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And just trying to continuously learn and learn and learn and uh, improve. So I think it just having that mindset is applicable in terms of politics. It's applicable for your your own personal development, regardless of what kind of field you want to go into. Um, and kind of ultimately, I think if people, the people that 
won't be able to, to kind of realize the benefits of, of thinking this way will be left behind and there's going to be a bit more more of a disparity between the one between the ones that do become aware of these these aspects these ways of learning and kind of thinking and the mm -hmm. people that don't and from our perspective we try to embed that into the educational system to give everyone a fair shot um but sometimes it's a bit of an uphill battle considering the the way that the educational system is structured but that's a totally different topic yeah <laughs> i i loved what you said in in that kind of the, in the middle of your piece where you said you can keep learning 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 and and this is this is kind of the the perspective i had which you've you've kind of confirmed for me and i'd, I'd wonder what you think as well but if we do head to a world where our jobs are not as clearly defined as they are right now, we're not going to have um, accountants and people doing very rote tasks. The only thing we will need to be good at is learning new things and being able to design, develop, iterate, and do it all over again. Yeah. And 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 I think that the kind of the algorithmic approach of working and the way programmers and as uh, absolutely right designers work, working under their constraints, but satisfying certain requirements. And then obviously, you know, satisfying the needs and everything. Um, you are developing the skills to be able to thrive in an, in an, in an economy where we are very unsure about what the future looks like. You know, we might need uh, hugely different roles. We might not have very uh, fixed jobs anymore. And we can see that after the pandemic with, with people working from home remotely, being able to deliver the value that they need to deliver without actually um, doing a lot of like hands-on tasks. And I don't think everything is going to go away. I'm also, um, I'm not a, a futurist in the sense that humans will just sit back and, and technology will do everything for them. I think we have a huge, huge, um, there's the, the biggest beauty in humanity is about is, the, is that creativity we, we bring to everything, right? And uh, without it, it, life would be quite bland. So, um, the, the algorithm is really helpful in, in how we structure and argue and think, but also at the same time, we need to remember that that creativity, that, that the bursts of color and life and flowers and, and butterflies, that's what makes humans humans. And we, we need to foster that. And um, that's what the future of our, our work will look like. So I, I don't know. This is kind of like a, a rambling um, that I've gone down. But does that does that fit with, with what you think and the reason why it's it's so critical that we develop the skills, but also don't miss out on the creative components of it all uh yeah i mean absolutely and if you just look back at kind of the evolution of the economy and the evolution of jobs when mm -hmm. kind of during the first industrial revolution when the the kind of the concept of mechanization yeah. came about and our ability to kind of harness steam energy to to power machines to kind of create things we work became extremely labor intensive Mm -hmm. Although it, it well not really it, it kind of it empowered us to um, to create more output whilst the machines were doing part of the heavy load but we were still doing a, a good amount of the, the heavy load since then with every kind of industrial revolution cycle um, there's been more and more automation so every time that kind of happened and it, it's obviously easy to to kind of talk about this now retrospectively. Mm -hmm. But every time that happened, people would be would, would panic that the the machines are taking their jobs. Yeah. Um, and we know that that didn't necessarily happen. Every kind of wave of industrial um, revolution was followed by a short kind of slump in jobs, but then a proliferation of other jobs because people had more money, more free time. Um, and that's kind of how services started to boom a bit more. And um, 
at the same time, a lot of people started to find make it, find ways making a living by being creative and by applying their own curiosity to, to things. And I think right now, we're probably at by far the peak of this um, with the explosion in Web 3.0 technologies and blockchain and particularly NFTs. Uh, in the US, there, there are so many, there's a growing proportion of money, uh, a growing proportion of people that are making such a high income from NFTs and digital assets that they're, they're completely stopping from going to work. And that kind of has uh, effects on the supply of labor in specific um, industries. So for example, even in the UK, uh, truck drivers, we're missing truck drivers. We don't have enough truck drivers. And as a result, the supply chain is taking a hit. Um, and you can see that in supermarkets, you can see that in, in many different places, and it's all over the news. A lot of truck drivers, because of the poor conditions of work and low pay in some instances, are choosing to, to try to either invest some of the money that they have into stocks or other kind of assets, or they try to, to find coding boot camps, upscale themselves, and find jobs in, in, in different areas. So I think technology is becoming more and more of an enabler for people to, to kind of pursue their creative um, passions. And I don't, I don't think we can really predict what's, what's about to happen over the next decade or so. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really interesting. What are some of the most exciting projects that you've been able to deliver to your students? Cause I, I, I heard bits and pieces of autonomous cars and, and drones and they all sound like super, super cool, but What's the most exciting one and how did that come kind of like, what was the reaction when you worked with the students to, to develop it? I think the most, um, the, the bigger, the biggest one, the most impactful one was, um, it's called Intro to Rails. So we have, uh, our company is kind of focused on, right now is mostly focused on connecting with large employers mm -hmm. um, and creating programs that are designed to hands-on, based on hands-on projects that are designed to um, inspire kids to think about careers in that space. Rail is a particular, particularly interesting uh, industry because it has a hundred billion pound worth of investment committed mm -hmm. over the next 10 years. Um, they have about, I think the average age is 53 or 54 wow. for an engineer and only 16% of the workforce is female. So they have a, a massive sh shortage in terms of uh, skills and talent. They foresee I think about 120,000 um, people needed over the next 10 years. So they have a problem and they're kind of fully aware of that. And we've created this program to, to work with years eight and nine students, kind of about the time where they, they make decisions about what they might want to do in the future. And very importantly, when they make decisions about what they're going to study for GCSEs. Um, so the program is kind of aimed at them. And the goal is to create the best high-speed railway network. We send them a box of components and they get access to the projects on on our platform uh, they work in teams and they create a high-speed train track um signaling a signaling app stations and a customer experience app so there's kind of like a range of of skills and, and knowledge that they mm. get to learn from these projects um and they have there's like a baseline of each project and then they have challenges so for example for the train they an added challenge is to um, to set the fastest lap time, which means that they have to reverse engineer the code and either increase the speed overall or make it manual so that they can increase and decrease the speed right before a turn so that the train doesn't derail. Yeah. 
yeah and it leads into real kind of real world um challenges uh, so i think that's the the most interesting and impactful one that we've done so far we've we have backing from um um some of the biggest rail companies in the uk network rail alstom avanti um and we've done it with one school we're doing it with 10 schools now and the plan is to scale it to a thousand schools wow by 2023 that <laughs> that's gonna be a yeah a challenge a big year no but it's an exciting one though well alex we're coming to the end of our session and i just wanted to um after quite well, a few it i know time flies wow. um i just want to ask you about kind of that the, through the experiences that you've gone through you know going from a very uh social degree to coming back to technology to realizing the challenges of education um to realizing the the, the kind of the uh, i i might phrase it as existential crises are, that are emerging from from the different things that are happening in the future how how would you reassure yourself or the students that are listening today uh, about you know what the future of work will look like for them and how the world will be and what they can be doing now or you know to to be able to survive and thrive in that sort of economy i think that's a very good question and that's something i i think personally i'm still trying to figure out myself mm. there's a lot of as a as a company founder there's there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of um stress there's a lot of there's a lot of things to kind of keep keep in mind and being starting a company right out of university i had no idea what i was doing so it, there was a it was a constant process of trying to reassure myself that this is worth doing mm. i don't need to do something else to whatever um so i i would i would suggest i would recommend uh to stay curious mm-hmm. always and um be open to learning new things by far i think the most important skill that we're going to need over the next 50 years is to adapt and to be able to learn things quickly um, and process things quickly. Where the traditional educational system is kind of um, geared towards remembering things because there was no internet to quickly kind of search things when when you needed it. Right now, I think the focus is transitioning towards processing things quickly and being able to, to kind of fit things as you go along, fit things into your own mind map of how the world works. Um, so if, if you're able to, to kind of stay curious and and keep that drive and eagerness to learn, you're going to position yourself um, very well for, for the future. And it's also going to help you in your own personal struggles or your personal evolution um, to, to continuously reassure yourself that what you're doing is is the right thing and you're on the right track. Stay curious always. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been a pleasure having you. I hope you have a lovely trip and we'll speak soon. Speak soon. Take care. Bye.